I mean, I, I'd say to just do what you, you think you'd like to see. I mean, that, that that's what I did. Of course, there are formulas, there are all these kind of how to deal with the algorithm. Just put that aside for a minute and just focus on making content that is watchable and that's true to yourself and, and forget about what the big YouTubers do, are doing. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and I'm here in my quarantined home studio. Today's guest is none other than Kai W. Kai W came onto the scene in the camera and gear space with the YouTube channel DigiRev TV, which was started almost 11 years ago from the time of this recording. Along with his shooter, Locke, Kai and Locke built the channel from the ground up and became one of the main YouTube channels of the time for gear and camera reviews. I remember when I was starting my career, I watched a lot of Kai's videos on DigiRev TV, and I've been following his career ever since. After several years of doing stuff for DigiRev, he transitioned to his own channel a little over three years ago now and has almost gathered 1 million subscribers on his channel titled Kai W. The thing that's most entertaining about Kai is his incredibly funny personality and the style of the videos and vlogs that he produces are just so entertaining to watch. I think anybody who has been a part of this camera gear review space is familiar with Kai W and really looks up to him and it was a real honor for me to interview him because I am a true fan. Before we start our interview, I'd like to ask you guys to please leave a rating and review in the Apple Podcast player and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. This was actually Kai W's first podcast appearance, so we're happy to have him here on his very first debut into the podcast scene. Without any further ado, let's get into our interview with Kai W. All right, so we're here with Kai W, the one and only, all the way from London. How are you, my friend? Hello, I'm doing good. I'm 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 stuck at home as as you are and everybody else is. I'm enjoying it. The sun is shining, which is completely weird for London. So yeah, I'm all good. Happy days. <laughs> so Kai, if you're not familiar with Kai, what are you doing? Get on YouTube and search uh, Kai W. Kai, you're the last guest that we had on the podcast was Caleb Pike from DSLR Video Shooter. Who I love that guy. Would be he's amazing, super nice, super super talented. But he's been on YouTube for ten years mm -hmm. uh, this year. How long have you been on YouTube? Way too long. I think it must be something similar. I started back. I, I mean, yeah, two thousand nine, two thousand eight. Yeah, about two thousand. Yeah, some around that wow. time. So eleven years now. That's... That's amazing. So you're beating Caleb Pike is what you're saying. You've been on it longer than him. Uh, I've just been spamming the internet with my face for a lot longer than him. You know, probably a few <laughs> months. But um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just saying that I'm old, basically. <laughs> and uh, if you're familiar with... Uh, if, you, if you've been watching YouTube uh, in the camera space for that long, then you'll know that Kai started on a channel called DigiRev TV. You and your buddy Locke kind of created that channel and in a lot of ways pioneered what's happening right now on youtube you probably won't claim or say that yourself but i'll go ahead and say it oh thank you what do you have to say about that well i don't <laughs> want to kind of claim anything because there was not many people doing it during that time so it's it's not like you know there, there were lots of channels out there and we were the ones to to do something yeah. completely different um but yeah, I mean, something we did, we did something which is unique and different to the other cat videos. Basically. Why did you do it? I mean, 
YouTube oh. wasn't a, th a thought for anybody. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make some, I'm going to be an influencer and start a YouTube channel and become a millionaire. Nobody was ever thinking to get on YouTube. Why were you doing a YouTube channel okay, well, 11 years ago? I mean, I started off before that at a company called Red Wolf Airsoft and I was a marketing manager. And um, I thought about doing videos for just, you know, for, for brand building and, and to, to have content, um, educational content, which brings people in. And then, you know, you know I, I, I watched a lot of Top Gear and I wanted to bring sort of those kind of entertaining elements into the videos. Not that it really worked, but that was something I kind of toyed with during my Red Wolf days. And when I went to Digital Rev, that was something that I wanted to develop a bit more. And, and you know, it's all about the content. I know Digital yeah. Rev was a shop. Not many people really <laughs> knew that, but <laughs> I didn't care about that. that yeah. It was more about the content and obviously... Uh, you know, partly building a brand, but I was more focused on building content. Um, and I, yeah, you know, I was, I was, I was very interested in making more TV like videos rather than just, uh, -huh. uh this is me in my bedroom, uh, which is what I'm, which is what I'm doing now. You know, I've gone, I've gone backwards. <laughs> Ironically, I've gone, yeah. I've gone back 10 <laughs> years time. I'm doing videos in my yeah. bedroom now. Um, well, I mean, everybody's doing that. Even uh, the late night talk show hosts are doing that now. So you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I just wanted to, I mean, back then it was still, I mean, there's no Netflix back then. So I wanted to create something that would, I mean, not like a 30 minute show or anything like that, but just something sure. which would have the same entertainment value is something you get on TV, but on YouTube. It, it definitely felt that way. I, I'm one of those people that watched the channel from the very beginning and I've binged everything. I've even recently gone back and like looked at old things just to reminisce. It was a fun time when the DSLR revolution was really happening with uh, the convergence of photo and video. And it was just such an exciting time, 2009, 2010, with the 5D, the 7D, the Sony mirrorless. Totally. It was just really crazy. And you guys, again, were really at the forefront of that. But the, like you said, the, the format of the video did feel like a show. You had the intro video, your voiceover, um, the way that it was put together did have a more TV-like feel to it. And... Also, the camaraderie between you and Locke and the kind of back and forth banter between you two was just really funny. And it was something that people wanted to come back to every single week when there was a new video. Um, were these all very strategic things from you in terms of creating all that? I mean, it, I wouldn't say it was so perfectly planned, but um, I mean, early days, it was really we got the creative freedom. I mean, there was no interference from the boss. It was just, okay, you can do your own thing. You don't have to come to the office uh, because obviously Digital Rev is a, a, a business. Um, it's a shop. Um, we didn't have to go to the office, so we could just do our own thing and just go crazy with it. And, and really the yeah. early days was just, I don't think there was any kind of um, real strat strategy for like the first few months or whatever because you know we're, we were doing something completely new but we knew what we like we we, we me and Locke like the same things we've got a similar sense of humor so it's just it was just a matter of, of building something you know a, a set of videos which which kind of um would fit for a strategy yeah as you'd call it so you were 
you were in Hong Kong, I think, during that time. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, tell me your journey. Like, how did you end up there? You obviously have a British accent. Yeah. So, well, I was born in the UK. Um, yeah. So after university, I kind of messed about for a bit. You know, I, I was working in a restaurant and then I was just kind of delaying things because after yeah. university, I still, still didn't have a real direction. Um, but then I knew I wanted to just explore the world a bit because, you know, once once you get into a, a job, you might not be able to do that. So I thought, teach. So I went to, to teach. Um, Hong Kong was one of the places. Um, I did think of going to, to Japan as well. But I went to, went to Hong Kong because my dad's from there. I kind of know, know the place. Um, yeah, so I went to nice. teach. Absolutely hated teaching. Teaching English, that is. Um, uh-huh. It's an interesting time, <laughs> teaching English. <laughs> you know, people were reading newspapers in my class. I don't know if it's just my class, but people were reading newspapers and, and they were like looking looking on their phones. Um, but yeah, wow. I, quite soon I realised that that wasn't for me. I mean, it was always going to be a stopgap teaching English, but I wanted to take photos, and I ended up being a product photographer for, for Red Wolf. So um, I did that for a bit, yeah, and kind of got bored of that because taking pictures of products is not not like all sexy products we're talking like some things are screws or a bolt or something like that it, that quickly uh-huh. got boring and it kind of made me a bit tired of photography so even even my time off I wasn't really taking photos um so that's why I switched to uh, marketing manager okay and you, d- you didn't <laughs> go to school for marketing no I went to school for film and media which again is okay. probably makes sense. yes, kind of makes sense, but it was just me dotting sure. about. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, something you I enjoyed. Could, I mean, I, 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 what the other university I applied applied for was uh, to do law. I mean, uh-huh. I could either been a lawyer or oh, I, w- I would love to see I'm a Kai now. W lawyer. That'd be so f- entertaining. <laughs> yeah. The legal channel. Have you had a car crash? <laughs> Come to Kai W. <laughs> um, there had to have been a point. Then when you did transition to photography and out of teaching and law and all that, there had to have been a point where you're like, wait a minute, this is my passion, right? I yeah. mean, have you been passionate about those things no. your whole life? And you just kind I mean, of... It was it was in university. I, I, had a, I actually took photography because it gave me the time off. I wanted to work more in the, the second and third year to get more money, to earn more money. Essentially, I was doing uh-huh. full-time hours while doing university so I thought okay I'm going to do photography because that will give me that time off because I know the teacher he he essentially sets the the project he I mean he'll just say okay you've got to do a a photo portfolio project thing go away and so there's Uh no lessons he doesn't teach you how to to use a camera how to compose a shot it's just it was just that for the rest of the term you just go out and take photos so I thought yes that's that's I I can go out and just um, uh, work basically. So the second year I second year of university I I, I didn't actually do I didn't do much I didn't I didn't take many photos <laughs> I just used the disposable yeah, camera yeah. and I thought you know what my project is going to be taking photos of my friends drunk. Um, <laughs> and I didn't get that's your niche. I didn't, didn't get a very good mark for that for some reason, and um. <laughs> but then that was the point. I I thought no, actually I I want to I want to do good. I want to do something good with this. So my sister bought me a yeah. uh, a camera, a film camera. It was a Pentax. 
Uh-huh. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to I'm going to try. I'm gonna, I'm going to start reading photography magazines. I mean, back then, back in back in my old days, it wasn't really too there weren't too many blogs and stuff like that. So it was yeah. read photography magazines and, and learn how to take photos. And then that's that's what I did. And then I just went out taking landscape photos, going going out stepping in cow shit and stuff like that and just enjoying it. And that's really when I uh, that I realized that photography is something that I'm quite passionate about because it's you, wow. you can be creative and and you're there in the field and you're it's it's almost therapeutic just standing there with a tripod and a camera on top yeah. and just trying to figure out okay what's going to be a cracking shot. <laughs> when you so you you do the photography thing you move from uh what was the company you, you were working for before did you uh, red wolf airsoft and you were doing uh product photography for them you said yeah yeah so it's uh yeah taking photos of airsoft guns nice yeah i mean it's it's not the coolest thing but um <laughs> i think uh you had some airsoft guns as props once right <laughs> yeah 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 so did you rev happens you you get that job you meet Locke, was he working there already when you started? No, working there? I. So I'm. It's like the Great Escape. I I, I broke out first, and then he came uh-huh. um, after me. So, um, okay. I he for a while actually. When I first arrived, he he wasn't working there, and and you know there's no job opening for him. Uh, eventually, they realised that I I do need someone to film for me, and then that's when I said, Yeah, hey, you should you should get this guy. I've worked with him before. Um, uh-huh. And that's where we we still interviewed people, and I I I had to kind of persuade them to to get locked because I I, I think they yeah. realised that maybe we might not do too much work or ask about, but that's that's really the whole point of it. <laughs> they because you were so friendly with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I I can understand they'd they'd want to employ somebody that they feel is right for the the, the role rather than what I sure. think. But um it's funny actually because when, when we wanted to get a production assistant, they I actually gave them a recommendation and they didn't they didn't accept it this time. They didn't even bother interviewing that guy. Yeah. They're like, so. oh we learned our lesson with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We learned our lesson with Locke. Yeah. <laughs> Never again. Yeah. But no. But that's great that that's great that in the early days they kind of had their hands off and they let you guys kind of just create and uh, and figure it out. Comedy has always been a, a huge aspect of what you do. And I posted on Twitter and on Instagram uh, some questions and I saw a lot of questions from people saying, you know, how do you integrate comedy into what you do? Um, and that's one of the things that has always made you guys unique is the fact that you don't really take the thing very seriously. Has that ever been a thought? Like, did you ever realize like, you know what, I'm just going to turn the filter off and just go for it. Or did you have a lot of pushback from DigiRev with the kind of comedy and the entertainment value? No, I mean, when, when I first applied for the job, I, I, it wasn't actually a job for, for make, making videos. It was a job for writing articles. And, and I, I turned up to a job interview and said, actually, uh, I want to make videos I gave him a CD of what I do. Uh, this is what I like. This is the kind of content I like. And this is what I, I'd love to do for Digital Web. And um, that that's essentially why they employed me. So they knew in some ways that 
um, they would be getting something like that, but not to the extent I ended up. I mean, um, <laughs> but I mean, the boss was completely understanding. And I, f- I think at those early days, we, we had a good understanding and we knew um, what we were going to do. And he was, he was cool with that. He was, he was getting views and, um, you know, he was attracting eyeballs. So that that's really, yeah. he wasn't against that, even, even though, you know, he's got commercial interests and he wasn't against me slating a product or anything like that. Um, sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, we were just kind of left to our own devices and, and what, I mean, I'm not like this 24 seven. No, it's not like, I'm I, you know, paint things around my house pink and stuff like that, but it was, it was kind <laughs> of like, okay, I can flick the switch and I can have this, um, I can just let, let this persona, whatever it is go unleash it. Yeah. And, you know, some people might not be able to, to, to you know unleash whatever it is but it was just okay here here we are boom yeah that's um kai w or whatever what was there a a video or a, a moment for the channel that it was like okay this has turned into something bigger than we ever thought like was there a a series of viral hits or anything like that that you guys kind of point to as a, a moment for the channel that turned everything around or was it just a, a slow progression of just being consistent over many years and, and just seeing the growth slowly? Um, or was there like a big viral moment for DigiRev TV? I think the first viral video we did was was a video with um, a girl playing snooker, uh, billiards or whatever you call it. It's, it's like, you know what yeah. snooker is, don't you? I don't. I don't know if I'm just patronising you. I've never heard that in my <laughs> life, but I know what billiards okay. is. <laughs> it's, it's a big long stick poking balls into a, a hole, and we had this girl. Yeah. You know, you're playing snooker, playing billiards. You're bending yeah. over, and that was re- that, that was that was a that was a viral video. That was it was t- um, ten years ago. One, Nik- Nikon yeah. D3s versus Canon 1D yeah. Mark IV. Exactly, <laughs> and um, we ended up doing a couple of videos with you know one of those thumbnails very clickbaity very it, but it worked to a point to a point yeah. um but i mean we also had to do some other stuff i mean I, I, we started doing you know bokeh tests and and painting cameras pink and um yeah i mean it was it was, it was kind of doing stuff which is completely uh unscientific i mean I I don't like watching content yeah. which is really dry and and scientific, and I want it to be entertaining. I've, so that that's essentially what I want to do, and then that's when I realise that it's it's actually working. Then it's just you know, let's keep doing it. Let's keep pushing the boundaries of it. And again, this was I mean that video that you just referenced was ten years ago. That is insane. Yeah. Uh, when you look at. YouTube. I mean, January twenty seventh, two thousand ten. I've just pulled it up. That's the actual date. Um, what a different world the world in general was, and then YouTube at the time was so different. And you guys were really just experimenting and playing. And yeah, I remember ten years ago, <laughs> if you were to clickbait it like that, it sometimes it would work. Uh, you know. But you've got some other great hits back then too. Uh, Pro DSLR versus cheapo lens. Five reasons why you need a fifty millimeter. Yeah. Uh, how to do smoke photography. 
the list kind of goes on and on. And you guys, again, we're, we're just experimenting and, and coming up with new genres and styles. And, um, there were other people out there too, you know, you got the North ups and, uh, uh, camera store TV and, um, you know, was Gordon Lang doing stuff too back then? I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, he was the biggest channel at that time. He was, yeah. um, he was the rival. <laughs> um, he's a great guy. I, 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 I've got a lot of love yeah. for Gordon Lane. I've never met him. He seems like yeah, a very you know, kind uh, and honest person. Yeah, he's, so he's cool. He's he's a cool yeah. guy. Um, but I mean, the way the way we did content, it was you know YouTube. Who 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 watches YouTube? It's not yeah. your granddads. So it, it was people like us basically. And, yeah. and you know, I I essentially wanted to do content which I want to watch, and and that was the the game plan. It wasn't anything like okay. Uh, yes, it's it's uh, they're this age. They're this. Uh, our demographic is uh, predominantly male. It was just okay. I want to make content with Locke that we can watch yeah. and have a good laugh about afterwards. And okay, if it if it works, if it if it uh, attracts people, if it um, you know people love the content, then that that's even better. Three four years ago, you made a video called. Well, three years ago, you made a video called The End. Yeah. And uh, you kind of talk about your journey. C- can you speak on, you know, whatever you feel comfortable talking about the transition from whatever happened from DigiRev TV to Kai W, which is what you're doing now, which is your own thing. And you're back in London, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, to a certain extent, obviously, I'm not uh, some some blogger that will chat about previous employers. But, <laughs> you know, the reason why I wanted to leave is because it just didn't feel like things were clicking anymore. It it felt more um, formulaic. It wasn't like the early days where it's like, okay, this is your thing. Um, you do it. It was more like, okay, you know, what, what, you've got to have one of these things and happen in the video. Uh, uh, you know, you've got to do this. So, yeah. Um, you know, be, in the early days, we'd turn up to the meeting and I wouldn't have, any ideas in, in in my head as such, nothing mm-hmm. on paper, nothing written down. And then the boss would say, okay, what, what ideas? And I would just completely, I'd make something up. I'd say, okay, this idea one, idea two, idea three. And it'd be, okay, boom, done. Yeah. Later on, it was like, okay, uh, let's let's plan it. And, and what, it's got to be like this and, and it's it's got to uh, be like yeah. this and that. Um, so... It, it started getting a bit dry. Um, sure. And I kind of wanted to just kind of step back from that. And um, it's, I ended up being in the UK for a year and uh, I felt like, you know, they were doing their thing anyway. So um, I just thought, it's fine. I think I think they're going to be building something else. Because before I left Hong Kong, I, I, I kind of helped them um set up this blogging platform and then they start they ended up kind of doing it themselves um and they there's more focus on that there's more focus on the blogging they um hired a lot of writers and stuff like that so i thought you know i'm uh, i'm not going to complain I'll, I'll just step back i'll i'll, I'll yeah. um i'll leave and, and you know there's no point being just that guy in another country doing his thing by himself whereas we're focusing on something else so Sure. You know, I just thought I'll leave. 
um, and tr- try something different. I mean, yeah, when things was- are getting dry, when things are, are not giving you that spark, you just have to try something different, really. Well, yeah, I mean, that was 10 years of your life, too, and you're in a different stage of life. You know, you had uh, a kid, right? Uh, on the way, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're home in London. Life is different, yeah, and actually, you, you grow was, up and things change, right? It was immediately, it's quite soon after having my, my, uh, my first kid mm-hmm. that I left, which was, which is quite a, for me, it was quite a scary, scary thing to do, to, to go from of a regular paid job to okay you've got you've got nothing yeah you know you've got you're not earning anything now it yeah. was pretty scary uh but you know i thought this if there's any time if that's a good fire under the bum um yeah my it's boss different. at red wolf said my bo- boss at red wolf said there's some people need a fire under the bum and some people can just do things but that was a good fire under the bum to to make me do something yeah um, yeah, I still haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Nah, that's not true. Um, absolutely. Uh, gosh, that's why I keep no... having kids. It's like I need more fire. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about and to my say. My wife's like, no, no. I've got, <laughs> I've got I two kids, and uh, I've got two kids now. My wife stays home, and so I'm the sole provider for now. And man, there's nothing like that weight and the fact that. The decisions I make are affecting not just myself, but they're affecting my wife and my two my two boys. And uh, there's nothing like that to to motivate you. And yet, I still don't do it. So uh, <laughs> that's the problem with creatives, I guess. I don't know. I'm just have more uh, kids. Yeah, I'll, I'll have more. Um, obviously, one of the things that I would imagine was hard was was Locke and and losing Locke. Can you talk about that? Well, yeah. I mean, at a, at that time when I left. Um, he was still carrying on with Digital Rev. Okay. And I thought, okay, uh, I, I kind of feel sad because it that was the the end of, um, you know, so many years of making videos together. Uh, in, in fact, I remember the, the last video that we ever did, it, I, it, there was some slight tears. And also when I left the, the office for the last time, it was, I, I could see some, some little tears. Maybe I had... had had allergies or something like that. But yeah. I think they were tears, and I just thought, "See ya, bye." I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to see him cry, because um, I'll probably end up crying. But it's sad. Yeah. It was sad. Yeah. Um, and then he ended up leaving as well. So there's moments in as you become an adult, there's like chapter moments in our lives that happen, and that was you turning the page to another chapter, and that happens all the time as we get older and. Uh, different stages in life and that's just what what occurred and uh obviously uh now you you've been doing your own channel for three years um yeah how's it going (laughs) how do you like it it's going all right i would say um you know when i first started there was that kind of energy and and the drive that i've had moments where i've kind of slowed down and i've had a lot i'm not the quickest at editing and that's that's sometimes the bottleneck is just me getting down uh-huh. and editing editing a video and putting it out um yeah i mean there've been times yeah they're, they're, you don't find shooting to be a challenge for you the shooting process is is pretty uh, straightforward for you yeah well yeah i mean that was another thing as well i mean i'm used to having somebody you know do the video for me so it's it's a different yeah it's a slightly different ball game to to 
when you're talking to a cameraman, you're talking to somebody who's your friend. Yeah. To talking to uh, an object with no light behind its yeah. eyes other than an EVF. It's also you shoot in public a lot. And when somebody is filming you acting like a fool, it's a little bit more in public. People are like, oh, they're shooting a bit. But when you're by yourself yeah. vlogging, it's kind of like that guy's an idiot. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. He's a mentalist. I mean, OK, there, there, are, there are plenty of things that, you know, did in digital web that just wouldn't work if you're vlogging it, if you're filming yourself, because it, it, sure. it looks weird. It looks totally weird. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that's why the content's obviously changed a bit. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, there, there are times that I do want to do those those uh, those kind of videos where it's asking about it in public. Yeah. So one of the questions uh, that we got on Twitter is relevant to what I want to ask next. It's from Roberto uh, Roberto Blake on Twitter. He's, he asks, uh, what, is, okay. what is your planning process for making content? Do you storyboard, plan locations? How much time is put into the planning behind a video? It's like the pre-production. Do you do any type of mm. scripting or anything like that? Well, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, back in the digital web days, sometimes I'll turn up to meeting and then just make stuff up on the spot. Yeah. Um, I, I, I quickly realized that, you know, when I, I did the street photography and walking and talking, it's much better to not be relying on the script. You know, you can have your specs, you can have um, some vague ideas of what you might want to say, but I, I kind of preferred it to be just completely off the cuff, completely... Um, uh, you know, just whatever I can think of, I'll say it on camera, mm -hmm. and and I like I like that idea because it feels more natural. I mean, if if you're watching it, it feels like you're experiencing the camera for the first time. You're you're saying what comes right in your head instead of trying to hit yeah the right marks and and remembering remembering your lines. Um, so planning is not something. It's not tightly scripted. It's not tightly planned. But say the videos, say like the speed shooter video or, or you know, something which involves other things than walking, talking on the street. Yes, there would be a plan in place, but it wouldn't be, okay, it has to be doing this and that to such a fine degree. It's, okay, we know what might happen. We know how to do it, but let's leave the, the whole process to be as it as as it happens because uh -huh. you know I, I i like the idea of it it being okay the people watching it are watching it as if they're there you know yeah enjoying having fun w while we're doing it because that that is that's is, that's the process that's what happened and it is completely random and completely unscripted and the um, the great thing about your format is that you're able to tie it all together with your voiceover yeah, I mean that was a good thing. Me, I think me and Locke have got a good. Back back in those days, we would after after shooting, he would go back to his studio, aka his house, and I'll go back to my studio, <laughs> aka my home, and uh -huh. it's almost like we didn't we we know how the video would go, and I would write the VO, and I'd send it to him, and that he would he would keep on editing to fit those in so we, we kind of it's like we have this uh we're on the same wavelength and we we can make that video yeah. without 
me being there and saying, okay, this needs to be like that. Um, it, would, it would just be very minor changes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I've forgotten the question now. I mean, that comes from that. I mean that, well, yeah, I was just, I was just stating that your voiceovers kind of tie in if you were to miss a certain spec or a, a point that you want to make when you're out shooting you tie it in with with the b-roll and the voiceovers which i think is a great way to fall back on uh you know having the content there even if you're goofing off or 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 you have some funny moments on camera uh that you shot v off the cuff vo's can save anything it can save a bad video Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I don't know if it works for everybody. Possibly not. But for me, I find that VOs can say, we've saved some videos where they're completely just, they seem like a no-go. They seem like a, a, you know, we've completely wasted time filming it. And then we'd shoot VO and it just worked. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, when, when, when you've got the VO, you've got this, this mic, which is, um, you've you're close to the mic. You're 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 using the proximity effect and whatever. It you you just listen, uh, and it it kind of helps to guide people through the video. And yeah. I think that was something which I um, found on found out quite early that that really helped the videos. When you see other people do it similar to you, do you do you think to yourself, "Oh, they're copying me," or is it just a an industry? thing that i mean they use it in documentaries all the time but i mean i when i think of vo with comedy vlog stuff i think of you oh thank you but that's also just because i've i've been watching you for 11 years but <laughs> <laughs> well no i don't totally i don't think i own the whole vo thing it's it's um i mean i i guess cool so i can do it great you thanks. can totally do it i mean it's, <laughs> it's just that's what I'm getting at. Am I allowed to copy you? <laughs> totally. I'm. You. You could. Uh, my lawyer will be in contact. So, yeah. Okay. Great. Well, we have the same one, so <laughs> that worked out. Yeah. We 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 have the same. Yeah. We share a lot of things, don't we? We share the same agent. Yeah. yeah. You helped me get an agent. Thank you, it's by the right. way. Jeff it's is all great. Right. No problem. So there is another thing that we share. We actually share a love for Leica. You've had a little bit more hands-on than I have. I'm a little jealous. I want a Leica connection. I need a Leica connection. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, one of well, both of my Leicas were stolen recently, which is terrible. My my M3 that was given to me by my great uncle. Mm. He purchased it in 1964. He had the original receipt with the uh, serial number. So I'm checking eBay every single week. For for that serial number but uh but yeah he paid two thousand dollars for a 50 sumicron and a m3 in 1964 and i have all that paperwork and everything anyways it took photos of my dad growing up um and i fell in love with it yeah. uh when he gave it to me as like a family heirloom talk about your love of uh leica for a second yeah i mean it wasn't my first love my first love was nikon i was such mm. a hardcore nikon fanboy it was just, I just loved the way Nikons were built. But then I found out about Lycan and it's like, oh, Nikon what? <laughs> Lycas, they've just got a, it, and I have to admit, at first it was the look. Because, yeah. you know, I was, get, I was getting into photography and it's like, what is this weird looking camera? It's got, it's got these windows on the front of the yeah. camera. That's so funny looking. Uh, I, you know, it wasn't about, okay, Henry Cartier-Bresson, decisive moment and all, all that stuff. 
Um, it was just, okay, what is this camera? I need to find out more about it. And then the first time I handled it, it's like, wow, this, this, the way it works, when you compare it to another mechanical camera, it was, it's just the way you wind the film, it feels so precisely made. And then the shutter, it's just a nice mm. kind of subdued sound to it. And it's a, it's a completely different process. Of course, there are other rangefinder cameras, but it was just that that was what they're known for, and, yeah. and they they do that well. So it's and the glass, of course, the lenses are fantastic and small and and well well built. So. Yeah, if you look at a, a Nikon or Canon, they're kind of like a Lexus or a, you know something like that, and uh, the Leica is the Rolls Royce of the camera community. It's just it's a beautiful. Yeah. Art. It's a piece of art. It's made by hand, and especially those older film ones. And I think they're still even making the MP and uh, some of the the film bodies yeah. currently. You can buy a brand new one for like five thousand dollars if you really want to. But um, what was your preferred film body, um, and do you still have it? Yeah, I mean, I've still got my first film camera, which was a Pentax MZM that was bought yeah. for me by my sister. Wow, Christmas That's present. Awesome. Uh, I I like that. Um. I've got the Nikon F. Uh-huh. Uh, I've got uh, I had a Hasselblad. I was I was that was one of the cameras that I absolutely loved when I was kind of starting out with photography, mainly because it took me ages to save up uh you know serving serving up noodles and stuff like that <laughs> to to get a Hasselblad. And it's like, "Wow, yes, yeah, so I got Hasselblad." Medium format, yeah. So that was that was uh that was a camera I loved for a long time. And the Leica, the Leica M2. Oh wow, M two. Uh, yeah, there was a a lot of videos on your channel about little point and shoots like the Raikou GR, the the film version, and even the digitals. <laughs> Some somebody's going to say, "Oh no, Dave, Ryko. it's not Raikou, it's Rico." Rico. I've, I've seen the comments. Rico, Raikou. <laughs> is it? Is it? I don't know. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's I'm right. just a Nikon, Nikon, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just took your language and destroyed it so that's all we did um <laughs> but yeah i mean you you you've always had a fascination with film and i think also 10 11 years ago the lomo lomography was kind of a trend you know right um in the 2010 yeah. era so there was a legitimate kind of resurgence of film because we were at this precipice in time where digital was starting to surpass the quality of film or at least get up to its level um and then the instagram filter became a thing uh, 10 years ago and people were like wait a minute you can actually have images look like an instagram filter in camera that's cool um <laughs> so there was this kind of film resurgence a couple years ago and it's it's continuing on i mean there's still plenty of uh, film photographers out there and I still think a, a medium format, well, we're starting to reach a point where you can afford to buy a digital medium format somewhat, but uh, yeah. still a medium format film camera is giving you images that are very hard to get digitally, um, especially because it's not, the, the cameras that are available, the Hasselblad X1D and the Fuji films are not technically full medium format. So, um, but there's a look to film, right? And there's a uniqueness and a characteristic to it that, I don't think it'll necessarily go away, right? It's like a gas-powered car and an electric car, right? They're just they're both cars, but they have two different purposes. I don't know. Is that a good analogy? Uh, yeah, um, 
Yeah, possibly. I mean, some people say, give uh, you know they they say it's like um, vinyl versus yeah um, MP3 uh-huh. to you know your 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 iPod, um, which is yeah, it's kind of the same, but uh, of course it's it's all sound, so you're gonna hear that anyway. With film, you still have to process it, and it it, it looks looks a bit different but yeah of course there's a sound to vinyl which is warm and it's fuzzy it's it's not perfect yeah and that's sort of the uh, appeal of it and that's the same for uh for film yeah um it's it's imperfect but that's kind of the uh, appeal of it but when i went to to, to asia it, it was like people still shooting a lot of film in the uk at that time it's like why are you shooting film? You know, it's every everybody's moving over to digital. Yeah. Whereas, from you know being in Hong Kong, Japan, still a lot of people shooting film. They they still they still love the look. So it was it was like I I didn't really see any uh, apart from being in the UK, the film was was not being sold in too many places. But the lomography thing was a big trend over there. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of um, hip trendy people in hong kong who 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 go to and you see it everywhere you know these lomo cameras being sold in bookshops and stuff like that yeah um so it's it's just uh seen as the, the trendy thing to do and then hong kong they're very quick to pick up on trends and um that that was something which was popular at that time but i felt yeah i think it's not so popular anymore <laughs> So you're you're not shooting film anymore for even for fun? Um, yeah, I shoot film. I do shoot shoot film. I mean, l- film is great. Long lomography. I'm still a bit kind of. Uh, I'm not too keen on this whole. Um, yes, we we sell these plastic cameras which should be ten dollars, but we're going to charge you sixty dollars for it. I I mean, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I kind of didn't like that idea. It's just turning something which should be. Um, approachable and accessible to all, and and they're just turning into this kind of trendy, um, marketable thing. Yeah, but yeah, film. I still shoot it, not quite as often. I I just do it whenever I can. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a nice feeling to it. One of my friends said, um, he's a f- professional photographer. He's he's starting to get bored of taking photos in his his private life, but he still sh- still shoots film in his, his private life because. He can shoot it, and he doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to look at. He doesn't have to chimp. He doesn't have to think about. Did he is in focus? Was the composition good? It's just you shoot it, you forget about it, and then sometime later you you look at it and you're like, okay, wow, I, I remember that. There's there there's a nice feeling to that. Yeah, or you could just buy a Leica M10D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's still not. The, <laughs> the, you get the M10D. And then you just go home and you pull the image uh, into your c- computer and you obsess about getting it right. Is it sharp? You, <laughs> yeah. you still obsess about it when you put it on your computer. No, you're right. But with film, yeah, right. it's like, okay, there's not much you can do about it. What is on that film is pretty much, um, that's your shot. So yeah. there's there's something about that that is, it's, um, it feels more yeah. certain, more that that's, you, you can't, change that moment and and it's it's quite beautiful do you get tired of doing camera reviews um i don't get tired of it i i it's sort of like that things don't excite me as much as say 
when I first got into it and it's like, wow, a 1D or, or D3S. This is, this is amazing. This is, this is like, like several grand for this camera. This, and oh, wow, the burst rate. I've yeah. seen it all. I've, I've seen expensive cameras. I've seen cameras that do bursts and stuff like that. So it's, it's like, it's, it's just, um, you know, it's just a, a, a regular thing for me now to see cameras that do fancy things. I'm briefly interrupting this podcast with Kai W to tell you about the Light Chaser Pro mobile filter system for the iPhone 11 and Galaxy S20 Ultra. The iPhone 11 Pro and Galaxy S20 Ultra systems are changing the game in mobile content creation. The cameras on these flagship phones are seriously getting to the level of professional cameras. If you want to push the boundaries of what a mobile phone can accomplish, then you need to check out the Light Chaser system. The complete creative system is built specifically for mobile filmmakers and photographers to deliver shots never before possible on mobile devices by controlling unwanted light before it enters your lens with our mobile optimized variable neutral density filter and circular polarizer with the vnd filter on your phone you can now get the cinematic looking shots you always wanted with the device in your pocket with ease in addition to a filter system for your phone you also get a rugged case and adjustable hand grip making hand holding your phone much more natural and more like a real camera the grip also includes a quarter 20 thread on it so you can use your phone on tripods gimbals and whatever else you want to mount your phone onto to learn more about the light chaser pro mobile filter system check it out on our website at polarpro.com all right now let's get back to the show one of the things that exhausts me when i see your channel is the fact that you're you're one of the creators that is often first to put a review out along with all the other creators at the same time and that's just an exhausting life are you do you have burnout doing that because it's like here's the product and guess what the nda is lifted next week you got to have the thing done by this time and have it ready or do you kind of plan it out and you try to not kill yourself you know late night editing and that type of thing well sometimes you you can't help it sometimes you go to an event and then you sign the nda and then it's like a 4 a.m in the morning or something or or, a maybe 6, 5 a.m., depending depending on where it is, depending on the country. It, and it leaves very little time to edit. I don't want to be in that situation, but I've got to do it because I just want to be... Because you know that everybody in that event has got the camera and they're going to be doing the same thing. Even if it's a video of them just reading out the spec sheet, they're going to be there on time. Yep. So, of course, of course, I want to be there on time because, I, 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 you know... You you know the YouTube game. It's 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 like that. Now. Yeah. Before when we first started out Digital Rev, it didn't it didn't matter. It, it was just there, there's so many reviews. There's only so many product reviews. So it's just okay. We get out whenever we want to get out. It doesn't even have to be on the launch day. And there there weren't things like okay, let's invite YouTubers and we'll get them sign NDAs and things like that. So it didn't matter yeah. back then. But things are different, and it, it's it, it's very much just these last three years. In Hong Kong, we we didn't get invited by many of the the the, the companies, but over here, yeah, it's it's um, well, it's not something I enjoy, but it's just something you got to do, right? Yeah, and I mean, I would assume that your wife and your family just kind of is like, yep, this is par for the course. You know, there's going to be times where <clears throat> you're working every single day of the week, and then you might be able to take a week off, or do you kind of balance it 
like that for your family and for your own well-being? Do you take breaks? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'd take too many breaks or, um, <laughs> you know... I don't think I, so. I think it looks could, like you've been you've been posting a video every week at least for the last couple of months. I yeah, mean, I mean, okay. I, in terms of the, over the last three years, I I don't think I've been consistent. I don't think I've been every week. I don't think there have been some months where I think there have been some months where I haven't put out any videos. But um, yeah, it's I'm I'm pretty bad with that. But it's since having two kids, I kind of find it hard to just tear myself away from that and just say okay you go play with your toys i've got to do some work it's it's kind of like i i see them and i want to play with them i want to you know get them food and whatever like that because this is a a very important time in their life there it goes so fast and uh you know i I don't want to be this somebody who's just okay i'm gonna be editing sorry so i try to do that (laughs) at night i try to do late night but yeah i mean bits of editing here and there but I, I i still think i don't put out enough videos well i don't know i don't notice i th- I think you're cranking them out like crazy man and they're great so don't worry about it <laughs> thank you very much i think you're doing pretty fantastic as well i mean you're in the same yeah. boat yeah i mean <clears throat> similar to you i i had a shooter and i built my my following around a channel that was based on a guy filming me talking and then he did a lot of the editing as well connor and then due to financial circumstances and just life circumstances i had to let him go and i kind of went through a six month maybe even longer kind of recession or depression if you will of just kind of like okay what am i doing how do i do this i i would go to events and hang out with other youtubers that were all by themselves and i was like shocked that they were able to do it by themselves um because i was so used to having a shooter and the format of the videos altogether were built around the fact that there was a shooter so i had to completely restructure everything similar to what you did and i honestly pointed to you and looked at and honestly studied what you did because in a lot of ways i related to your style in a way because i always try to emphasize comedy and entertainment before facts at the end of the day like it's really just a show that's supposed to be about cameras that's entertaining that's the point it's like top gear or whatever but uh so yeah so i i was like okay well kai did it so that means i can do it and i think there's a lot of other people who are in transitional periods as well that can point to you and look to what you've done and you know you're about you're gonna hit a million subscribers before you know it which means uh, you know within another year or so you could catch up to where DigiRev TV was. I mean, how does that make you feel? Is that exciting that you're going to actually have... It seems like you've been able to, at this point three years later, get to a stage where you're at least at the same level, if not even better off with your own channel than you were with DigiRev. Do you feel like that's that's happened at this point? Well, I mean, firstly, uh, I was going to say, I mean, when when I transitioned to shooting solo... At least I had the excuse of changing a channel. I guess with you, it's it's like it's it's tougher because um, it's still under the same channel. So yeah, when you're going from one style to another within the same channel, that's going to be a big um, a big change. Yeah. But no, I mean one million subscribers. I don't. 
back in back in the digital web days it was really it was really we wanted to hit that million and it was like okay let's let's drive towards that i don't really focus on too too much about subscribers anymore because mm-hmm. I, I don't really find that as important as making content that's uh, i'm i'm happy about and two making content that that people enjoy yeah so it'll be good yes but i i don't think it'll make me especially happy or like yeah. okay yes i i got a million just like digital rev got <laughs> because you know it's it's um it's different uh yeah. I, I don't want to say like this but you know I've, I've, I've it's it's been done before i mean it's yeah. nice to have a million it's nice to have people subscribe to your channel i think brands like it more than anything because it's just a brands always want to see metrics and numbers and analytics and it's like oh they, this guy's got a million subscribers cool we'll we'll pay him x amount for that you know or whatever um but currently on youtube youtube knows better than subscribers do so you have all these ghost subscribers that are watching every video that you make that aren't subscribed to you just because on their home feed youtube is feeding them your videos so it really doesn't matter subscribers don't matter like they used to this was uh, a talk that i went to with some youtube analytics guys at vidcon last year back when events were a thing remember that you could go to yeah. a gathering <laughs> of people and sit in a crowd and uh, interact with other humans face to face without a mask uh i would shake people's hands without gloves i wouldn't even wash my hands often i would shake multiple people's hands and go about my <laughs> business like it's no big deal yeah. do you remember that oh, i remember those days yeah you know <laughs> but yeah there are some youtube uh uh engineers that were on stage and they actually said don't tell people to subscribe anymore just tell them to watch your other videos make a playlist and say watch my playlist watch this because watch time is actually more valuable from youtube's perspective than a subscriber because youtube knows better than they do on what they want to watch yeah back back to the subscriber things i mean yes uh it's not hugely important but in some ways it is it's 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 something that you can't escape from it's it's um uh you know that the, the, there are people who whether it will be somebody who if you want to collab with somebody there are other youtubers who would think okay um you've not hit a million yet you're you're nobody i mean yeah you've got a middle i mean there's this kind of measuring and and okay i'm doing more for you than yeah you're doing for me and then they won't won't do yeah. a collab that that's just how it works um yeah and um well, i'm glad that you're not like that with me because here we are on this podcast so thank you for being so kind oh you've got less subscribers <laughs> right okay <laughs> speak to my speak to my um speak to my connector let's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. It's a metric. You see that everywhere, right? Uh, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, yeah. Are you on TikTok, by the way? No, I I had a look look at TikTok, and then I, I I'm still I'm still trying to understand. I'm I'm just letting letting it sink in. I think you would crush it on TikTok, man. Yeah. It's all about comedy. Uh, comedy entertainment. You know, I've been doing these parodies, and we've talked about this on Twitter before about like doing something passionate like the parodies for me allows me to feel more creative and they perform poorly on my channel. They, you know, I do a video about Canon R5 and it gets a hundred thousand views in a day. And then I do a video about 
the this thing that I worked on for six months, writing, directing, producing, shooting, and it gets like a thousand views. It's so annoying because <laughs> it just the algorithm yeah. doesn't know what to do with it. But it's it's odd. I mean, it, it's things have changed. I mean, parody videos did quite well at Digital Rev, but yeah. <laughs> even now I, I I find it doesn't really do well on my channel. So, but I enjoy them. I I, I love doing them because, as I said earlier, I like doing videos which I like watching back and you know yeah but those types of videos crush on TikTok I've put those same parodies I just recut them for TikTok and they got like a million views on TikTok I posted the the late night hosts one on YouTube it's got like 2,000 views and then I posted on TikTok it got 250,000 views in like two days well maybe that's it maybe that's just a changing landscape of the the kind of people who watch YouTube for photography they they come for yeah. reviews. Come. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, it's, it's part of that's a little bit sad. I would like it to be a bit more varied than just, okay, launch day, it's going to be 100 videos of the same thing. <laughs> Every, even yeah. if people don't have the product, it'll be just, okay, let's, we've got to get video out. Just cause. I know. I mean, yesterday, so. the, the Canon R5 specs were announced and i posted a video it looks like you posted one i mean yeah. obviously you posted one and nobody has one but everybody <laughs> made a video about it yeah <laughs> because uh, have you found this if you have canon in the title or thumbnail it performs significantly more than any other camera brand yeah for sure canon it, it, it's hard to escape that from even from 10 years ago it was canon wow not nikon so much Nikon would still attract, but it would always be Canon. If a mum wants to buy a camera to take photos of a kid, yeah, what do they look for? They probably look for Canon is recognisable as a brand, yeah, the world over, yeah, among people who who don't really care about too much about photography. To the people who want wish they were professional, to people who are, who are professional, yeah, well. I think we're coming at the end of the podcast. I know it's it's later over there. It's it's the morning over here for me. But ah uh, oh, man, I I can I can keep talking. <laughs> We've got the bokeh bros. What's what's up with that? I saw you. You've been posting it videos just, with with Locke recently, um, more you, regularly. You know, I just wanted to 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 chat with Locke and video it, yeah. it video it, video it, and then post online. It, it just you know have a bit of banter. We're we're still testing it out. Yeah. I don't know whether we should just have a have it completely unedited and and like a podcast or uh-huh. we'll cut it down to ten minutes, which we've or, or fifteen minutes, what, what which is what we've been doing. Yeah, you've just been posting them on your channel now instead of the uh, the Bokeh Bros channel. Yeah, you know, I mean, I thought we we don't do it that often. We got another channel. We we did another channel because we thought, okay, let's 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 do this thing. But then it's, it was like we're doing it every, could be every month, could be every quarter or even every year. Yeah. So there's no point in having another channel if you're just going to update it very, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Plus you guys both have your own subscriber base that would watch it, that would probably watch it on your other channel and it would be more successful anyways. So you don't have to start from scratch, but yeah, I mean, I don't don't really want to think about building up another channel. <laughs> it's just yeah. we we don't have the motivation or the the time, 
especially if we have to find time together to mm-hmm. do it. What's your what's your like long term kind of thought process with this? Are you are you going to be a YouTuber forever? Is it a a long term thing in terms of this style of content? Do you do you think that far in advance in terms of your your career over the next decade? I mean, obviously nobody saw this coming in terms of what's happening right now. So that may dictate and change everybody's career path. Um, I know a lot of freelancers out there who watch our channels who do not have a YouTube channel are really struggling right now. I have a friend who um, is a wedding photographer and his entire year is completely canceled. He has zero income. He's, he lost a hundred thousand dollars of his, his uh, livelihood overnight. I mean, there's a lot of people in our industry right now that are hurting. Um, you know, <laughs> I guess I turned this into two questions, but first off, what do you see yourself doing, you know, in the future? Do you, do you love what you're doing? You want to just continue doing that? And then obviously right now with this pandemic, um, I don't know if there's any solution to it. It's just kind of like, it sucks, but can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, in terms of future plans, I've, I've always wanted to do bigger 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 you know projects so it's uh, for me i don't want to be youtubing until i'm 60 <laughs> i don't, I don't want to be some trying tr- still trying to connect with the kids <laughs> of 2000 and um whatever it would be 2060 no 2000 2000 no not that far, 2050. Like, hey, what, what is up? How is it going, kiddies? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about photography. I'm going to paint a camera pink. They'll be like, what? In their spacesuits. They'll be like, who is this? Who's this old fool? No, I think. But you don't age. You haven't aged in the last 11 years, so you'd look the exact same. Asian, Asian. You know, some, uh, someone, someone. There was a comment that said, you know, it'll get to point when you're like 50 and then it's just like a steep cliff you age you you look 20 years old until you're 50 and then you just look like you're 100 100 years old so there's that to look forward to yeah um but no i mean yeah bigger projects i've in the video space thought about thought about things talked with people Uh but i don't know we'll see i mean i'm still happy doing this the youtube thing it's 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 cool i'm i'm still not too old i haven't reached I, I think i haven't reached my midlife crisis yet so this is still <laughs> me yeah just putting stuff out and enjoying connecting with people having that content yeah you know it, having people enjoy that content hopefully yeah and then obviously right now with the coronavirus and uh just the effects of that in our industry for a lot of the people who unlike us have have a youtube channel up and running people who who do photography and and videography for for their job as a freelancer or even for a company that maybe is closed i mean do you have any inspirational words or anything that you you'd like to say to people who are listening who are kind of lost right now i mean it's tough isn't it i mean both me and you we're and everybody else we're in this situation together And, and just because we've got youtube channel it doesn't mean we're more experienced we're more fortunate or we're we're going to be lucky. Uh, uh, we, we're we're doing this, and we're we're hoping to get yeah paid somehow. You know, whether it be sponsorships or whatever. 
but we don't know yeah. we don't know what's going to happen and it's just the only way to do it is to just carry on it's 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 that whole keep calm and carry on maybe not keep calm because there's a bloody virus out there and it's deadly but just keep doing just focus on on what you love doing most and that's that's really the best that you can do if 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 you can just yeah. do your best but of course yeah there there are people losing gigs they're losing jobs and it's hard to explain to them to say okay just do your best yeah just do your best it's people got bills to pay and yeah we're all in this together and and we're all being affected by this in different ways and uh economic is is one thing but health overall health is the most important and uh you know obviously we we hope for the best for everybody exactly yeah i mean of course there will be one day where things will be good again i know but it's 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 really a it's so interesting because you're all the way over there in London. I'm in here in California. Locks in uh, Hong Kong. We're all affected by this. Uh, the whole globe. It's not yeah. just one region. It's really unprecedented. It's like the world war or something in terms of global effect. But it's interesting. I mean, hu- what humans can do in in these situations. Like you, you see people do, people doing live stuff together and and mm-hmm. connecting in a way that they wouldn't before. And maybe they wouldn't because it's like, okay, you're over in America and I've got stuff to do. I don't have time. No, you're at home. You're at home all the time. So, mm-hmm. of course, you can do these things and you can connect more with people yeah. across the globe. And maybe maybe people would rather watch go, you know, a YouTuber going out to take some landscapes or whatever or going out to some fancy location. But this is <laughs> this is what we've got. Yeah, and we just got to 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 make the best out of a bad situation. So to close this thing out, um, what's your kind of word of advice to to creators who who come to you on the street or, or reach out to you on social media? Uh, let's just answer the question that you get most often here, so that you can just direct them to the show and say, "Hey, listen to the show at this timestamp. I answer your question." How do you how do you get started doing this? What's your kind of inspiration? Uh, that you can give to, to somebody who wants to be doing what you're doing? What are kind of the things that you, you tell people who want to be a YouTuber reviewing gear or honestly just a content creator on the internet in general? What are your, your tips? Well, you know, it's so easy these days because there's so many um, popular YouTubers, popular social media people to just follow in a formula that is already successful. I mean, I, I'd say to just do what you you think you'd like to see. I mean, that that that's what I did. Of course, there are formulas. There are all these kind of oh, um, you know how to how to how to deal with the algorithm. Just put that aside for a minute and just focus on making content that is watchable and that's true to yourself, and and forget about what the big youtubers are doing and that 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 really is all all i think you know people should do when it comes to creating content because otherwise it becomes formulaic it becomes generic it becomes the same as some other youtubers not true to yourself and people will will figure that out well thanks kai w for being on the the polar pro golden hour podcast uh you're a fan you're uh we're big fans of you at polar pro you did a you did do a review of the light chaser uh kit recently so thanks for that that was great 
um, for the iPhone 11 filter system, and then the uh, V&Ds and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we'll do a Kai W uh, V&D for you. What What would you want if you if you had a Polar Pro product? What would you have? Uh, I I don't know. I I you know I I can't imagine too many products with my name on it. But um, maybe some Kai W underpants. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, some filters, some good filters on the back. <laughs> All right, go follow Kai at Kai Man Wong on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Kai W on YouTube. Thanks again, Kai, for being on the show. Thank you. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Kai W. It certainly was a treat for me to interview him. I, again, like I said earlier, I'm such a big fan of his, and I've been watching his career unfold over the last decade now. And it was pretty cool to hear that this was actually his first podcast appearance. So if you liked it, make sure to let him know on Twitter. And I'd like to thank all of you guys for responding to the AMA that we posted on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure to follow me at Dave Mays on either Instagram or Twitter. That way you can see when we're doing our next interview and you can maybe ask a question that I'll actually ask our guests. Next week we're interviewing Tyler Stallman so make sure to subscribe to the Golden Hour podcast in your podcast player of choice and stay tuned because every single Tuesday morning we post a show. Once again I'm your host Dave Mays. This is the Polar Pro Golden Hour podcast and we'll see you next week.